Leland and I are going to start off on a conversation that has nothing to do with sports. And it is dominating this country, so it is hard to avoid. And Leland and I are both troubled by what we see in the country today. And we're going to try to talk about that in a precise and organized manner. (laughs) And hopefully um, you guys will be okay with that. If you don't want to hear a conversation about what is going on in this country, particularly over the weekend and into early this week, you may skip ahead to 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Obviously, Leland, when you look at what has gone on in the country here over the weekend, at the end of last week and early this week, it's heartbreaking uh, to see the police brutality that we are seeing in this country aimed at, you know, minorities, but especially black people in this country. Um, You and I will never know what it is like to be black in this country. We will never know the struggles and the hardships that they have to endure on a daily basis. It breaks my heart when I hear interviews with players and coaches being told that their parents taught them how they have to talk to police and they're telling their kids how they have to talk to police so that maybe they won't be killed or hurt by a police officer. That breaks my heart as an American. I, I, when I was in school, I, I would sit in history classes and we would learn about the civil rights movement. And I would sit there and go, I'm so glad to live in a time where that won't happen, but I'm wrong and we're here and it's sad. It was happening then and it was happening then. And that's all this week has been as a reminder of it. It's not, this is a new event or a new occurrence. It's just the latest. And uh, sadly, there's a lot of topics that hit the news that are like that right now that they happen too often, the school shootings, um, domestic violence, and then here this racial violence and, and the, and the police brutality that just plays into the, the system that we all live in that has, has oppressed African-Americans from the beginning and continues to, and it, it hasn't changed. And, you know, it doesn't matter what presidents we've had or haven't had, um, you know, racism isn't over. And I think, you know, if, if you say that, 12 years ago, I think people were trying to make it, make it sound like that. And, and it's not. And, and I, and I events during Barack Obama's presidency and before, and now all show that it's just ongoing, continuing. And when you were in sixth grade, learning about the civil rights movement, you just didn't know the current, you didn't know that police were currently treating people badly because you lived in a, an area that that wasn't as obvious and, and you weren't plugged into Um, sources that would tell you that. And so, I mean, that's really what this week has been all about is this is the difference of, um, this is the reminder of the different life that you and I live compared to people that don't have the same skin color as us. And so, yeah, it's sad. It's continually sad. (laughs) You know, you and I see a cop on the road and we don't get nervous that we aren't going to make it home to see our family. We get nervous that, oh yeah, I was speeding or, 
or I was doing something wrong. Um, and then here's, here's other people that whether they're doing something wrong or not, they're nervous that they will even make it out of the situation alive. And then, I mean, in this case, the fact that whatever he was doing, the punishment, punishment of death was nowhere in, in the, in the broad stroke of what should have happened for this guy. And, and that's why it's murder. And that's why this cop, um, he, he sentenced this guy on the spot and that is wrong. And, uh, with a punishment that was far more severe than anything, any justice system ever would have laid out. And it, it's troubling. Uh, it's, I'm not saying all police are bad. I don't think all police are bad. I think there's a lot of good police officers in this country. And I think one of the things that's going to force the change we need to see in this society is the police are going to have to acknowledge that while not all of them are bad, there are bad police officers. And we need to do stuff to make sure that bad police officers don't stay police officers. We need, we need to take that power away from them. We can't allow them to have that, that privilege of being a police officer who is a person who protects our communities. We can't have police officers doing the kind of things we have seen in this country. And again, it's, it's something that, you know, black people in particular have had to endure their entire time in this country. And it's sad and I feel horrible about it. And you can say the looting and the rioting is bad and I'm not going to disagree with that, but I think you're looking at the wrong issue in this circumstance. I think you're looking at a symptom rather than the cause. What is causing people to get to this point is they've dealt with this for 400 years in this country. And it's, we can say that the constitution says everybody's equal, but they're not. And they never have been. And that is sad for me. That is sad. Other attempts, other attempts for these people to step up and, and make us aware of that have never been responded to the way it should and the way that I'm hoping this time is. Uh, I mean, peaceful protests, you know, get you get you public scrutiny. I, and it's Colin Kaepernick. And, it, and it's just a strong reaction to what Colin Kaepernick did. And now there's this happening. And we, we it should be 40 times the reaction, 100 times the reaction, because this was absolutely wrong compared to a guy on his knee during the national national anthem uh, it's just it's it's too different it's it's just it's time to react properly to these things happening and that means you and i probably saying less about it you know we we're, we're on a podcast and so we're talking about it between you and i and and our listeners but it's you know it's time for you and i to listen and it's time for you and i to speak up when appropriate but listen and, and understand better and understand what we can do to to help the situation and and not let this continue the way it is. Cause I, I, I'm done seeing these stories and, um, whatever I can do to, to at least do my part to assist in that direction, I will be glad to. And if that's just shut up and listen to somebody that's lived it, I'd, I'd love to do it. Um, on that note, a couple sources that I've personally reached out to, uh, in this time, Chris Lassiter, he's a, a former basketball player on the Robert E. Lee basketball team. He's a former writer at the news leader. He's still very involved in the community. He's at the YMCA. He, not just in times of crisis, hosts great community events, uh, recently Zoom calls that are, um, you know, very easy to join in on to discuss topics like this. So uh, uh, Twitter, it's at C underscore last um, is how you find him. And he's a great local resource that um, 
is doing his part to tr- to try to educate, to try, and it's not his job to educate us. It's, but it's it's his. He's trying to to help the situation, and rather than just point fingers, he's trying to share experiences, try to lead people through um, racial understanding as well as as faith based um, leadership, and 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 that's why he's awesome. And so I can't say enough about what Chris Lassiter does. Um, if, if you if I would encourage all of our listeners to just at least follow him and see see what he has to say, because whether you are agreeing with everything we're saying or not, hearing his voice can only help. It really can only help. I I agree, Leland. And the one thing that gives me hope in this country is when I see the Houston police chief who has I mean, that's one that sticks out to me. I've seen numerous times during the over the weekend at protests where he is with the protesters and he's talking to them and he's kneeling with them and they're talking as a community. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take more like that. I, you know, I know Stanton's had some protests and I don't believe any of those have turned violent. I have seen people walking on sidewalks in silence and it's nice to see the, the protests when the police join in and say, yes, we know this is not acceptable and this has to change. It's going to take both parties. It's sad when, it's sad when you see the videos of the police in riot gear. That that makes me sad. I think yep. me too. That's that's when the protests tend to not end well. So we all need to do what it takes to stop seeing that on our television. Uh, one more source of resource that I source of resource. I don't even know what that means. But one more thing I wanted to call out: Michaela Sinclair put together very easy ways to watch, read, listen, act, or donate. It just point blank bullet item list that can point you in the right direction. And I mean, that starts as easy as watching Netflix documentaries at home. You don't have to get off your couch to, to at least start opening your mind to a different, to a different uh, way of thinking or, or, or understanding. And Netflix has documentaries, the 13th American son. Um, if dear white people uh, see you yesterday, when they see us, I, I think that that's just a way to start this is right on your couch. You can start understanding better. And then from there, you can go on to, to read, listen, act, or donate. And I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna share those links. Um, our, I'll share them and our, our Twitter page will retweet them uh, just so you have a chance of even making a minimal effort to understand better. And, and, and I'm not saying there's a side to this. I think we all need to do it. I don't think there's people that should or shouldn't do this. We all need to better understand what's going on because we all play a part in letting this continue happen like it has. And I guess to close this segment, Leland, I would kind of echo what you're, what you're saying. I know you and I have talked for a little over 10 minutes now on this. And to be honest, when it comes to this issue, if you think something Leland and I is saying isn't true or isn't accurate, we're not the people that you need to be talking to. You need to be hearing from people. And even if you agree with us, we're not the people you need to be listening to on this subject. You need to be listening. We're ignorant. You need to be listening to the people who have to endure it. The people who have lived in America and haven't had the same opportunities we have because Again, Leland, as as white men in America, we're very lucky. We don't have we don't have to deal with oppression. We've never been discriminated against. So, you, me, everybody, we need to do a better job of listening when we see injustice happening. 
wherever it is, whether it's by police or by everyday citizens. We need to do a better job of listening when we see injustice and act to make it so that's not that way anymore in this country. America is supposed to be the land of the free, the home of the brave, where everyone is created equal. And sadly, right now in this country, that is not where we are. All right, Leland, let's talk about what's going on in Augusta County. The Rockingham County Baseball League is going to open up play June 27th. It's going to be a 21-game regular season, uh, and we'll see how this goes. I saw no mention of uh, fan restrictions or anything. It sounds like business as usual, starting the season, you know, just less season than normal, but, uh, you know, same same as usual, same amount of fans or, you know, fan availability. Um it's going to be interesting. I agree. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to see how this goes. Uh, we got a little, we got 26 days until this actually does kick off. Uh, I, I believe they're needing the state government to adjust some of the mm-hmm. rules surrounding gathering of people for them to gather people. Um, so we'll see how all this goes down. Um, yeah, June 25th, they got what, four weeks, three, three and a half? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, we can sit here and say it'll be interesting, and we we wonder how this is going to fly. I I live in a world that I want it to work well. I want everything to be successful because I want sports like normal in the fall, and I want this virus to really not be an issue, and I want to be, you know, not scared to send my kids to school. So I I want things to go well. I want that league, if they're going to start up, if they're going to be the test for the area, man, I hope no one gets, you know, um, tested positive for the virus or comes down sick with it during it. I just am not optimistic that we'll get through that cleanly. And so I'm afraid of the repercussions of that. And I just, I just wonder if we just didn't prioritize this league that I honestly don't follow that closely. If something happens within that, that is an indicator for the rest of the state, for our area, for our region, for high school sports to say, Oh, this probably isn't a good idea to get going again in the fall. I just wonder if more time might be the better option. Yeah. Um, frankly, been, we've talked about this. Yeah. Frankly, we've talked about this the past few weeks. Um, yeah. and I've gotten to a point where I'm exhausted of arguing with people who don't see the problem with opening this up. Uh, so whatever. I hope if a loved one of theirs ends up getting this and being seriously ill or even worse dies from it, I hope they don't have buyer's remorse. I hope they still feel as gung-ho about it um, because I think that would be a terrible thing to live with. I know I couldn't live with it, but maybe these people can. I don't know. Maybe that's mentally being stronger. That's what I'm told. So maybe they're more mentally strong than me and they they don't care if anyone else gets sick or dies because they get exposed to this coronavirus and potentially are asymptomatic and then pass it on to a loved one and they die from it. And that's the reason Joe Deck hasn't rolled up into my family room for the last three months. We haven't sat here and watched yeah. sports together. It's not because, because I hate Leland. Else's house. Yeah. yeah, it's not because I hate Leland that I haven't gone to his house. It's not because um, it's the it's the I same reason I haven't. John yeah, I, I have <laughs> gone to Long John Silver's through the drive through, but again, there's PPE protocols that aren't going to be going on in the RCBL. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, like I said. I hope no one gets sick and I hope no one dies. I hope it goes well, uh, but I don't hold high hopes for 
you know, social distancing to actually be enforced at these games. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. The other side of that, and this isn't as local, but high school baseball and softball is getting going in Iowa. And apparently they play in the summer anyway, so they're not completely late. Like they would normally be playing in June and July anyway, but they're starting in two weeks. They're practiced, uh, I believe, last night. And um, they're practicing here for two weeks, and then games get going. Uh, and they're, they have a lot of protocols uh, set into motion there, ones that I have not heard. And maybe RCBL is still laying those out before games are played. They're going to lay those out. Uh, I'll give benefit of the doubt there. But I saw the ones in Iowa, you know, no more spitting, no more seeds, no more, uh, you know, they're doing a handshake or like a high five as a team all spread out. Um, you know, they have all these rules enforced. Now, then they have to enforce them is going to be the thing. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting, too. I, I, I guess I'm more comfortable. I don't want I don't want anywhere anywhere getting sick. I guess I just say the further away from me that people are trying this stuff out. If it's got to be tried out, better. So, major league seems about as far as away as I can get, and they can't even get it straight. Iowa high school baseball—that's far enough for me. I still am cautious about that. But yeah, the, it, going back to the RCBL, I mean that's that's our neighbors that you know that could affect. So it's just—I hope it works well. I really do. I really hope it works well. Well, uh, Galax football lost their head coach. Coach Dixon uh, gets hired at Pulaski County. Uh, so he's moving up to class four Pulaski County and the Cougars. Uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him there because they play in the river Ridge district, which is a very tough district. He's going to be playing Salem every single year, at least once. Usually they end up meeting twice. It's usually the last game of the year. And it's also usually a playoff game uh, for Pulaski County to play Salem. So that's going to be a tough road to hoe there in a class four dynasty with Salem. But Coach Dixon did a pretty good job there at Galax, and uh, I think it's a great hire for Pulaski County. Uh, obviously, I have family that lives down there, and they're all very excited about the hire as well, as they should be. They should be. Looking from the other side of it, where he's leaving from, uh, Galax is the team that Riverhead's formed a, a playoff rivalry in the state playoffs over the last, uh, what, five years now. Uh, they faced each other in two different state championships. Uh, Riverheads won in the last one. They lost the first time they met by one point. And then there was a state semifinal down in Galax that Riverheads took it to them in. Um, so it changes the dynamic of that built rivalry. We'll have to see how Galax responds to having a different coach. You know, maybe there's an assistant on staff. Maybe there's someone they can plug in and, and keep enough of it the same that 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 level of quality of programming that they've built can can manage to stay the same. I'm pessimistic about that. I think uh, Coach Dixon has built a really good program. I, you and I were critical of some in-game coaching from him during the state championship this year. I think that's the only time I've really been critical of what I've seen out of him. I believe um, when they played in the state semifinal, kind of going backwards, Riverheads just was the better team that day and then came with a great game plan, and I think Coach Dixon acknowledged it that day. The first time those two teams played in the recent years – um, I think there was one way back in the day on a really cold day in Stanton, but uh, back in the state championship that Riverheads lost by one point, they were a very well coached team. Those players knew where to be, knew what they had to do to stop the Riverheads offense, and they did it all day. Riverheads only scored that six points with little time left in the fourth quarter and then went for two for the win and didn't get it. You know, Riverheads nearly stole that game. In all honesty, they nearly stole that game. Um, they were very well coached then. I think the overall impression that I get of Coach Dixon, he's a very good coach. He's no doubt about it, black and white. 
he has built a great program in Galax. It was a bad program before him, and he's built it into something great. Um, so we'll just have to see where that goes. These are the same conversations people were having a year ago for four months when Coach Casto was retired from Riverheads. And every, we, we were saying the same thing. We have to see how it goes, who they get in there, who's still around. All that matters. And so we'll just have to see how that all shakes out here as, you know, it's late in the game to be hiring a new coach. Um, but again, the pandemic probably evens it out to not be that big of a um, late near deal. So. Yeah. Um, Wilson's also still looking for a coach uh, and mm-hmm. I'm eager to hear who that is. I think they need to get somebody in place there. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see if it's somebody that's already in that system. Yeah, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know. Uh, Major League Baseball, we touched on it. They still haven't gotten a plan to play. Uh, the owners said 80 plus a giant cut in your salary. The players said no cut in our salary versus the prorated salary that we already agreed to. Uh, and 114 games, which seemed ridiculous. Major League Baseball countered with 50. So... Obviously, where they were a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, obviously, we're nowhere near this thing happening. So that's great. Um, All money, and, it, and it's just a terrible time to be arguing about millions and billions. Everybody's arguing about millions and billions of dollars, and everything else in the world is arguing about health, safety, and racism. And it's just a terrible time for these people to be arguing about their wallets. It just really is. Yeah, I am impressed with the players that are stepping up. When the owners say, we're not paying these minor leaguers, we're cutting it, and these players are coming together and saying, we got them covered, I, I do like that. Makes I it really that. hard for the owners to say this yeah. is about money with the players, doesn't it? Yeah, when the players can afford to pay them, but the owner can't. Mm-hmm. Only one of these sides is cutting minor leaguers and saying we're not going to pay them. Yep. Usually the other ones, as you mentioned, step up to fill in the void for the ones that are still in the organization. Speaking of players who got released, Ray Hernandez, uh, we just, before this episode went up, put a 40 sports episode out where we talked to him. Uh, he's going to go into the independent leagues now after being released from the Danville Braves. Uh, so we talked to him about that and baseball, soccer, and uh, cartoons because my brother and I are involved. So why not? Uh, Ray's Ray, a good listen when he's on, on the 40 podcast. Yeah, he has so. a way to make Brad and I feel old because he refers to, as he put it, an old classic cartoon as a cartoon that didn't start until my brother and I were kids. So that rocket power. (laughs) He said rocket power is an old classic cartoon. I was like, damn Ray, (laughs) what did I do to you? (laughs) I remember the premiere of that damn thing. It's like when people say SpongeBob is old. No, it's not. You're old. (laughs) And you make me feel all the old all the time. So I'm glad I went in on that interview. I'm glad your brother and you took that bullet on the 4D side of things. Uh, all right, NASCAR is fully back. Uh, they've been doing the two races a week, which I think it's been cool to see the races happening on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's it's smart of them to fill that void of sports calendar here. Um, they don't have a Wednesday race this week, but they do race Sunday at Atlanta. But then they come back next week at Wednesday at Martinsville. So one more Wednesday race left. Um, and I, I think it's good for NASCAR to have that. I, I've seen a lot of social media talk about it happening on Wednesdays. There's been some great Geico having the camel on the hood of the Geico car and the hump day because uh, it was on a Wednesday. I thought that was a great opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's good for NASCAR to be out front as best they can. Um, 
I didn't really watch this weekend, but <laughs> it's, it's good for them. Yeah, I didn't either, but I heard there was some excitement there at the end of the race where Denny Hamlin ended up getting spinned out. So get ended, Virginia boy ended up getting robbed. Brad Keselowski ended up walking away with that thing in Bristol, which that's always a crazy race. I mean, I said, I know I said outside of restrictor plates, that usually doesn't happen, but Bristol's an exception. That's usually a insane banging and beating there at the end. It's it's a it's either really big tracks or really small tracks is what you what you need for the excitement. Uh, Quinn Hall finished twenty seventh, so that was one of his better finishes, if not his best. Uh, so yeah, always rooting for him since he's from Augusta County. Yeah. Um, hopefully he can keep on getting better. Uh, I did see where NASCAR talking about bringing fans in either for that race in Miami in a in about a week or Talladega. Um. So we'll see we, what happens. <laughs> I want it further away. Let, let it not happen at Martinsville. <laughs> okay, let's talk 90s basketball, Leland. The last dance ended a few weeks ago. We wanted to get to this then, but obviously, because we like to talk, we got pushed back, and we just never ended up releasing it in a timely fashion, so let's do it now. We can get to this stuff on time. <laughs> well, to be fair, the, the past two weeks, I don't think it's been not sports topics. We got backed us. up. Yeah, we got backed up. We got backed All up. Right. Let's talk about our I lists. Uh, and this week, as I mentioned, it's 90s basketball. Our top five 90s basketball players. Sometimes I'm going to have honorable mentions. I don't for this one because... Uh, one of my players who I removed um, ended up learning some not great things about him not too long ago, so uh, he's gone. Leland. He's already on my bad list, so we're good. Great. Who's number five on your 90s basketball players? And I'm being honest and truthful here of people I rooted for when I was between the ages of or grades of third grade to like ninth grade. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's my prime basketball watching. Okay. That's when I watched the NBA basketball. So that's where I'm at. I'm not saying there's not current players I like a lot or well this is 90s. Yeah, this is 90s. So yeah. It's 90s. I'm staying here. Allen Iverson is someone I always root for. Ooh. I knew who he was when he was in high school, coming out of Virginia. He was a two-sport athlete in Virginia, a great football player. I had heard about him when I was like in second or third grade. And that was in the days before Twitter and Facebook and internet and I still knew who that guy was. Ronald Curry would be another one of those guys. He's not on any of my favorite lists. But Allen Iverson was always a guy I rooted for. Sometimes he made it tough. I didn't always appreciate his approach to every single aspect of his game. But, man, he was good, and he was willing to take anybody on. And even though he didn't like to practice, and I'm a man of, you know, practice, uh, perfect practice makes perfect. Uh, Whoever taught me that one will know what I'm talking about there. Allen Iverson's on my list because he's just a Virginia all-time great, and I did root for him all the time when I was that age. Okay. I guess he would have to be an honorable mention. I did not put him on there. Jason Kidd would probably be an honorable mention, too, because he comes to mind with the Nets. But um, he's whatever. Uh, Let's, for me, number five is Grant Hill from the Detroit Pistons. I liked watching him play, even though he went to Duke. Um, He's pretty cool to watch. I like Grant Hill. Number two on my list. I had two different of his jerseys. My wife had his shoes back in the day. Had the Grant Hill so, this shoes. The so Grant Hill number two on my list. Wow, Grant Hill shoes. I didn't even know that was a thing. So that's cool. Um, but 
Um, and uh, I mean, my number one is, and Leland's number one is already known, but um, we'll get there. this is how I, this is the first article of clothing I had that was reversible. And this technology was shown to me. The, the Grant Hill Pistons reversible with Michael Jordan Bulls jersey. I don't know why what? somebody would make that, but they did. And I had my brother and I both had them. And naturally, we almost also almost exclusively wore the Jordan outside one. But when we would play hoops against each other, one of us would have to be Grant Hill. Yeah. So <laughs> I would wear that thing all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, get to school and too many people are in Jordan. I'd be flipping over to, to Grant Hill just to be contrary. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's cool. I had I had the white uh Grant Hill jersey, which the white jerseys were always the nice ones. I never got the white Jordan jersey. I uh, see so uh, it was um, mm-hmm. I had the throwback Pistons blue uh block letters, you know, nineties nineteen ninety Pistons jersey, but Grant Hill because I think they wore some alternates through there. Uh I had that one too. I really like that. I see their jerseys in the nineties were the teal with the like flaming horse yeah, that had pistons. Flaming horse. And that's in the white. Okay, see, this jersey was that in the teal that they had, yeah. and then the Bulls was the Black Bulls jersey. The Black Bulls jersey, which was the best yeah. one. God, that jersey was so cool. I had the red. I had the red. I mean, yeah, look, you can't go wrong with the Bulls. The Bulls uniforms are actually, ah, love them. But yeah, change, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Reggie Miller from the Indiana Pacers. I really liked Reggie Miller. He was really great at that outside shot. He was nailing those three pointers. Leland's already laughing. I don't know. Maybe he hates Reggie Miller. I do. He's number three on the players. I like the least. He was like, I really did not like Reggie Miller. You can watch the last dance and see some motivation for that. I know he's an outside shooter. I like, I like shooting three. I've never been good at it. I don't know why I like that, but, uh, my, my best friend growing up loved Reggie Miller. He had the Reggie Miller USA Jersey. I always, I always ripped on him for it. I just never liked Reggie. I just thought he was just a little annoying, skinny little guy. I'm not going to say when he beat the Knicks himself that I, I didn't have some enjoyment of that because I hated the Knicks as a whole more than I hated Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. But Reggie Miller was not somebody I ever rooted for. Um, and uh, I don't think MJ did either. I think that was apparent. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, MJ doesn't have to like everybody on my list. He probably likes none of the people on my list. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, it's America. We can have different points of view. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number three on my list is Patrick Ewing with the New York Knicks. Oh. Is he another one on your least favorites? I didn't write him down on my least favorite, but he is not on my favorite list. And wow. I hated the Knicks. So I hated the Knicks as a whole. It was the Charles Oakley. It was the Don Starks. It was Patrick Ewing. It was, uh, uh, did I say Oakley already? Yes. I, I just didn't like any of them. I didn't See, like, I like Patrick Ewing. I felt bad for Patrick Ewing. He never got that championship because he had to go up against the Bulls. <laughs> and and I felt bad for him. He's a Georgetown he great. Chances, he, they went to the fight. They went to the finals once with him during a straight right? short and during the, the strike season. Yeah, during the strike season, they made it as the eight seed to the finals and then lost to Houston. Yeah, but that wasn't the strike season, was it? I thought Orlando was on the strike season. Mm-mm. Okay, I'm not to hear that. So. Okay, but uh, yeah, but, he would not be. He would be closer to my bottom list than than on my top list. Yeah, I I loved watching Patrick Ewing, and again, you know, in addition to watching these teams, um, you know, '90s basketball was young enough to where I was playing video games probably as much as watching NBA games on TV. Um, and outside of the Bulls, I didn't really. 
and that was the playoffs. I didn't really watch a lot of NBA. So playing the video games and having Patrick Ewing, I was like, oh, this guy's good. And then he was in Space Jam. So, I mean, yeah. I watched it. I watched NBA three nights a week then. Uh, that's what we'll get to here. I, I think I have, I think I still have to say number four and number three. Um, Penny Hardaway was my number four. That Orlando Magic team was really cool back then. I just was never, I wasn't a big Shaq guy. I actually like Shaq more now after playing mm-hmm. than I did when he was playing. He's a great talent, one of the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't good at basketball. I just, he just wasn't my guy. But I liked Penny Hardaway. I, I liked his style of play. Hardaway was I, good. I, wow. I, I always loved the, the little Penny uh, mm-hmm. commercials and all that. There was a lot of good stuff. I always rooted for that guy. Um, I'm not rooting for him now at Memphis so much, <laughs> but I always rooted for him back then. Uh, he was in Blue Chips with Shaq. Uh, and Nick Nolte and all that. He he did a good job of that movie. So I liked Penny Hardaway. He was my number four favorite. And then my number three favorite, Muggsy Bogues. That Charlotte yes. team back in the 90s was a really cool team. They had Larry Johnson. They had Muggsy Bogues. They had Alonzo, uh, Alonzo Mourning. They had Del Curry, who's a local guy. I didn't really know that then. Um, they had a lot of great people. Uh, I think Tony Bennett was on that team too. I think he's behind Del Curry on the roster for a time. Uh, didn't know that then either. But anyway, Muggsy Bogues, though, was the guy I always liked the most on that team. Um, I think just being the point guard, and plus he stood out so much. He was such a little guy and still found success. Um, I think that's why I grasped Iverson later. Um, I think I like Muggsy first, and that's why he's a little bit uh, near the top of my list. But Muggsy Bogues was always a guy that he was in Space Jam, too. Yeah, so, I know. You know. That's another good one. Wow, the Hardaways, him. Uh, there was another one that I was that's thinking of that left. I- I had to represent that Charlotte team because that was a really cool team. Like if I, if it wasn't the Bulls, Vladi Divac, Charlotte. Yeah, Vladi Divac was cool Vladi too. Vladi didn't go until like '97 when they when they drafted Kobe. So there was a lot of Charlotte before Vladi was there that I liked. But yeah, man, Vladi Divac. Um, I think Vladi Divac as a, as a Laker. That's just how I think of him. And now I'm just, all these names are flashing back to me now. We should have had this conversation before I made this list because I would have had a lot of honorable mentions. I, look, I didn't love him, but I just thought it was a cool name. Greg Ostertag. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> like the jazz. I, didn't, I don't mind John Stockton. He's cool. Um, I, I did like the jazz before they even played the Bulls in the finals, before they were having that kind of rivalry there for two years. I remember being like 94, 95, even when Jordan's not in the league. I remember going over to my buddy's house and his dad loved the jazz, loved John Stockton and the jazz and how it went. And we just would always just argue with them. Just continually argue. Weird. I like those purple jerseys though. Uh, But anyway, who's your number two? My number two is Grant Hill. We already mentioned that. Oh, that's right. My number number two on the hate list was Carl Malone, who you took off your favorite list. I did. And, and he was my representative for not liking the, the jazz. I just, he was good. Great player. Great basketball player. I'm not taking that away from him. Just, I just never liked. I never liked him. I just never liked yeah. him. I, I he'd get mouthy, and I wouldn't like him. And I'm not saying some of the guys on my list didn't get mouthy. I just didn't like him. Carl Malone did. <laughs> yeah. Um. Google Carl Malone scandal. You'll figure out why I took him off the list. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm up to date with you. I'm. Yeah, uh, we're not going to talk about it. I'm just saying, if listeners are curious. Yeah, if I'm just saying, if listeners are curious, we're not going to talk about it on here. So just Google Carl Malone scandal. You'll figure it out. Uh. Number two on my list is Chuck, Charles Barkley. Love him. Makes me laugh. Uh, I liked him when he played, again, Space Jam. Uh, and 
as a TNT guy, I mean, he's even funnier. I just love him. I wish every studio show could be like inside the NBA on TNT. Guess who my number one on not like list is? Oh, Leland is so wrong about this. Leland I did not like Charles Barkley in the nineties. Now, Hakeem Olajuwon's another good one. I will relate that to them playing the Suns in 93. And that was kind of me beginning to ramp up my basketball fandom. That was when I was about third grade. And so that was the guy that played against Jordan. And he ran, run his mouth and, and said all, you know, I remember when that dream team was happening and it was him always talking. I never, I always thought he was so full of it. Oh, he had the greatest line from the dream team. I I don't know anything about Angola other than they're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, it was a great line. I'm not saying it wasn't. I enjoy it more now than I did probably when I heard it in third grade. Sure. I appreciate Chuck now on TV. I think he's great in the spot he is. I, I don't always just agree with him and like him, but he makes it entertaining to watch. So yeah. I respect him more. I, I I tune in for him now more than I ever did when he was playing. I did not like him as a player. He was on that Suns team, and then he was over at the Rockets. Um, I just I never liked Charles Barkley. Man, I miss those 90s Rockets uniforms, too. God, those were so cool. I didn't like the Rockets either. I liked I liked Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And uh, maybe it's nostalgia. Can we go back to some of those logos? Can we talk about the Timberwolves, the blue and the green colors they used to have? You remember that? Uh, um, no? Like in the 90s? Yeah. I, like, the now they have that, like, Seahawk uh green. Yeah, in their yeah, uniform. yeah, yeah. Was that not was that in the 80s that they had the blue and green? Maybe I'm they had like blue in the 90s. Yeah, I mean it had like the green. I always remember like the, the wolf the, looked the, different. The, it was I, a I had the garnet. I have the garnet jersey from sure, the sure. And it has yeah, that, I think like, it was sharp. yeah, you might be right. It might that might be before then because I'm yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, and I don't remember Garnett playing in those. Garnett would have been a good one to throw in because he was late 90s, right? I'm looking at a jersey here while we're talking that's a throwback, and it has some green in it. I'll I'll give you that. Um, But I cannot believe. I guess I would have to move Grant Hill up to four and kick Reggie off my list here maybe. But Dikembe Mutombo, I cannot believe I left him off my list. God, the finger wag. moments when they, as the, what was it? The The Hawks. Weren't they? And they Mm -hmm. upset the one seed in in the five game. When he was on the Nuggets, know. and he was holding the basketball underneath the basket when they won. That's such a great moment. Oh, that and was when the, they upset the uh, the Mavericks, yeah. <laughs> the finger wagon that he did. The so finger good. wag. Oh, man. Like, I cannot believe I left Dikembe Mutombo off my list. That's bad for me. Uh, but number one is obviously Michael Jordan because he's the best player of all time. Yeah, it, it, it was all Jordan. I mean, 100%. It was Seattle that the Nuggets upset there. Uh, with that five game oh, series, I thought but... that was the. I thought it was Dallas for some reason. Did they get upset by the Nuggets in a different one eight series? Uh, maybe later, but uh, the one I'm talking about with Dikembe was Seattle because that was like when Seattle was making runs, like, and they ended up being in the finals another year. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was all Jordan all the time. It was mandatory viewing if he was on TBS, TNT, or on the weekend NBCs. Like you, it was you know. Other plans weren't available. We're watching the Bulls. I loved it when they played the Bullets because I'd get them on HDS, be able to watch, you know, steal a couple more Bulls games that way. Um, I just, yeah, it was all Jordan. I knew, I wish I could go back and like watch those games and and know what I was watching. I feel like I appreciated it then, but there's no way I appreciated it enough. 
Um, and I recognize there's great talent now, and I'm I'm I value watching it now. But for me, it just doesn't get better than Jordan. Just the whole package. We've talked about it enough with the Last Dance. It's just you know the 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 drive, the attitude, the on the court, the style. It just I have always taken to it, and nothing I saw in the Last Dance even phased me on that. And uh, I, he's just my he's probably one of my favorite athletes of all. He's like my favorite athlete of all time, and that's the same for a lot of people on this earth. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely either be him or him. Pinkerby Junior. is probably honestly more my favorite because I take him more as as mine. Yeah, um, but Jordan's right there, right there. As I say, and Jordan's for... a more impactful athlete than Pinkerby Junior. I know, uh-huh. I know that Michael Jordan means more to sport than Pinkerby Junior. I just Pinkerby, I cut out every damn newspaper article. Sure. Yeah, it'd either be it'd be a three way battle between Jordan, Emmett Smith, and Cal Ripken for me. Yeah, Cal was amazing, but yeah, Jordan. Jordan is an all timer for every for everybody. I mean, like, yeah, he's great. He loves him. Yeah, he was great. Um, man, all this '90s basketball players have got me flashing back to all those '90s uniforms. We need to do a just a maybe we need to do a uniform list. Oh man, that'd be great. God. Although you know what, that would be a two hour episode, so I don't know. Would be maybe you need to present me a list of your favorite uniforms and let me comment on them. <laughs> You're into the uniforms more than I am. You are. I, I am. I'm a we big can bring fan. my wife in as a guest that week because she she has her opinions on the uniforms. All yes. The time. And I, I was going to say, I did just, you play 40 sports yeah. that one year did a serious breakdown of each MLB team's uniform? Did you let her listen to those? I did let her. I will say I'm not as into uniforms as you. I did enjoy those podcasts when you did them. They, they were pretty good. Like I will they, s- You had the right people comment on it. Yes. I wouldn't be as good in that role. Brad was ridiculous, though. Can we go back to that to to bring in the folks who haven't seen the 40 sports or haven't have never listened to 40 sports? Gosh, this was two years ago now, I think we did a right before the MLB season started. We went division by division and we broke down each team's uniforms and we gave them a grade. My brother was the most inconsistent person I have ever yeah. seen when it came to grading. It would be so funny. He would talk about something one week and be like, oh, this is why this uniform is an A. And the next week, you know what? Same same criteria. You know what? I don't like them because of this, so it's going to be a C- minus or, or an F. Pinstripes are terrible. Those pinstripes are great. Yeah, the pinstripes <laughs> on the Yankees uniforms were terrible. The pinstripes <laughs> on the White Sox uniforms were amazing. <laughs> it was a, it was great to hear it was so funny um yeah. but yeah uh god i love me some uniforms man god those pistons i think i like the teal uniforms from the pistons better there i said they were very they were very cool but the charlotte uniforms that that purple yes down there was so sweet it was really good then so when they got rid of the hornets there for a little bit it was terrible like they, you gotta have that in the league yeah. glad it's back the bobcats terrible uniform terrible mascot terrible uniform I mean, I don't have a problem with the name Bobcats, you know, go Ohio. But, um, yeah, I mean, their version wasn't very good. I'll give you that. God, I want to do another right. list, but we're out of time. All right, we'll just cut yeah, this segment. I, I named all the people I hated. Rodman was, like, number four on my hate list. Even wow. when he was with the Bulls, I still didn't like him. I knew what value he was. I knew he was good for the team, but I just didn't like all the annex. It was the hair. All right. Well, let's end it here and uh, get into the D block. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the D-Block here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck with Leela McRae. Let's talk about what is dominating our lives. 
Uh, Leland, I will go ahead and uh, defer to you to kick us off. That's what I always do on a coin flip. I always defer. I want that ball in the second half, but uh, so I, I respect the move. What has dominated my life? I have been watching old games from the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, that first weekend, I was really into it. I've cooled myself since then, but I've gotten into those college football games on Thursday nights um, on ESPN. And last week, they had Miami, Ohio State from 03, coming off the 02 season, was a spectacular game, double overtime game. I remember talking to my friends during that game, and all we were talking about was, we hate Miami, we don't like Ohio State, we're rooting for optimum excitement, and that game gave it to us. It was crazy, it was fun, Marie, the stars came out, Maurice Corlett played well, He uh, they get the fumble, he went and chased the guy down, ripped it back out of him, and got the ball back, such a huge play. Uh, Miami was loaded. Sean Taylor and Kel- Ken Dorsey, countless other guys. That, that I Willis McGahey injury, though. Ooh. Yeah, that was a tough one to, to revisit, too. Uh, my, my kids might have watched at the wrong moment right there the other night. But anyway, um, what I took away from watching it this time, and I think this is one of our future lists to talk about, but Keith Jackson was on the call that night, and he just reminded me, of where he belongs on my list for college football, at least uh, uh, broadcast people. Man, he like just the sound of his voice. I mean, it was it's it's a little bit of it. It has the feeling of like a Pat Summerall, you know, Southern little bit of a draw. When you hear his voice, you know you're watching a big game, and it was like that forever. And I loved him then. I loved listening to Keith Jackson then. But we got it every single week, and, and you had it for the big games. I really miss him. Um, I remember uh, he was in the booth not that long ago for a game, visiting with Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Chris Fowler, and I thought it was great just to see him. And that was just, you know, that's a legend up in there. And he was talking about how the last game that he called was that Rose Bowl with Reggie Bush versus Vince Young. That spectacular game. That was his last game that he called. And um, I just can't believe it's been that long since we've had him. He has passed. He just passed uh, a year and a half ago, I think. But um, just one of the best ever. And probably, he's just my favorite all-time college football guy on the mic. He just is absolutely great. Anything you can say good about Pat Summerall, Vince Scully, there's probably other names I'm blatantly forgetting that we'll come back to whenever we get that list in. But Keith Jackson has all that, and he was just an all-timer, and it was so great to just listen to him uh, on Thursday night. It was just, it was great. Yeah, I need to start watching those because you're right. I mean, watching some of those old games is fun. Um, and when I so saw, happens, but still, Ugh. yeah, when when Keith ja- when I saw Keith Jackson on there, I was kind of like, oh, are we canceling Keith Jackson? What did what happened with Keith Jackson? I oh, thought, yeah, no, nothing. Um, He's a great. Yeah, great That's all I'm going to buy into. I, I I think he's a good man. Otherwise, I yeah, we don't know. But yeah, man. I remember watching that game. Uh, what did you think that was pass interference? You watched it again. Was it pass interference? Either way, um, if it was my team involved in it, I would have been furious if they didn't call pass interference. Okay. Like, like not calling pass interference there, I would have gone crazy. Okay. Just at it from the offensive side of things. I, I, I would have been furious. What so if you were on I the defensive side? What if that was Virginia I, Tech playing defense and we got called for pass interference? I think it's a great call, but I, I gotta go with the, the winning, like the, the, the side that's going to achieve 
the you know that was coming down. I, I just had to look at it that way, and I just kind of say, yeah, I'd, I'd be bitching too. I was going to say, if Virginia Tech had been playing defense and gotten called for pass interference, I think I would have broke a TV. As a young child. I think we've seen that recently, honestly. It just wasn't as big a game. <laughs> you know what? Great point. There was, there was some bad pass interference calls just this past season. Yeah. Well, they're great. Three of them. Yeah, they're, they're cool. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be a rapper, so I'm told. Uh Space. So what's coming in your life? Space Force came out Friday. My brother and I watched it Friday, all ten episodes, because well, there's nothing else going on, so they're about thirty minutes each. So it's about five hours of my Friday. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound great hearing it said out loud, but uh, it was funny. I liked it. Steve Carell and John Malkovich are great together on the screen. I think they're funny. Uh, I will say, uh, they don't call them out by name, but it's not hard to figure out who they're talking about when they say the president. Um, so if that kind of thing bothers you, maybe not for you. Um, it is mentioned a few times, but I, for me, I think, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not, happened after. Yeah. I'm not the person who's going to get offended by that. So I can't answer that question for you, but, um, but I still thought there was a lot of stuff that didn't have to do with the president being mentioned um that was hilarious i mean there's a great scene where they send a chimp in to fix the <laughs> to fix the satellite and it doesn't go well and it's steve carell's character is great um i i saw where there were some mixed reviews i just don't know what people were looking for that that didn't like it uh, it's a comedy i i don't know uh, to me i laughed each and every episode at least a few times each episode and that's what i look for in a comedy i think it for me, I watched the preview a couple weeks ago, like the extended preview that got you ready for this. And I think it's as good as the preview made me think it was going to be. I didn't think it was the greatest thing ever. Um, Did you finish I it? Probably watched, I, I watched one episode. Oh, okay. I need to go back and watch it because I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. I probably watched it too late in the evening. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a big Friday. I had a big day on Friday. But um, I, I wish it was better than it is from what I saw. Uh, but I don't think it's a terrible thing. I, I don't think it was a bad effort. I just, I guess I just want more office and that, that did not fill that void at some, yeah. whatsoever. And so that's what I want it to be. I never thought it was going to be that. Um, and especially when I saw the preview, I said, oh, okay. Um, I just, I don't know. It's a different, it's a different vibe than the office even. So, and it's just, so it's just not even a comparable. Um, so I'll watch more. I'll, better, I'll watch the series. Yeah, it's not I've The Office. The yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched the other uh, Greg Daniels thing, um, that uh, the Upload show on Prime that wasn't good. So, yeah, I'll watch I that. haven't seen Upload yet. It's still on my list, even though Leland said it was going to be terrible. Um, all right, let's get to this. We I teased it last week. Let's get into it. What I know that you need to know. Number 50 through 41 on the Billy Joel list. Jeff would love to get your feedback. At number 50, we've got Los Angelinos coming in at number 50. Pretty good song. Uh, again, I would highly recommend all 50 of these. Uh, but Los Angelinos, pretty good song. Um, I like it. Number 49, I'm going to go through some of these without going into too much detail because Leland's going to pull his hair out. Uh, and he doesn't. I mean, it's not that long, but he's going to do it. Number 49 it's still rock and roll to me. I know that was Jeff's number one, but for me, it just, yeah, it falls to 49 for me. Um, again, I just, it's good, but I don't love it. Um, 
Number 48, Falling of the Rain from Cold Spring Harbor, which is Billy Joel's first album. That album is just hit after hit for me. I love that album. Uh, so Falling of the Rain comes in at 48. Turn Around, also from Cold Spring Harbor, comes in at 47. Number 46, A Matter of Trust. Number 45, Cold Spring Harbor, is an instrumental nocturne. I love that one. That is a quiet, nice piano melody. Uh, puts you right to sleep. I love it. It's beautiful piano. Number 44, also Cold Spring Harbor, Tomorrow is Today. Uh, wow. And is it? Tomorrow is definitely today um, because <laughs> tomorrow is almost here. Prelude to Angry Young Man. Uh, what is it from off the, uh, the uh, um, equality now or um, diversity today? Diversity tomorrow because today is almost over. <laughs> yeah, because today is almost over. That's what it was. Yeah, I messed it up. But yeah, that's what it is. Number 43, Prelude to an Angry Young Man. It's called Prelude slash Angry Young Man. Um, and it's called Prelude because he opens pretty much every concert with it. Um, I can't imagine how hard it is to play that song on the piano just because he's going so fast while he's playing it. Uh, but really, really good piano work there from him. Uh, number 42 is Just the Way You Are. That's uh, a great that's song. There. Huh? That's a, that seems down there. Yeah, well, I mean, you haven't heard. I, I don't think you've heard a lot of these. How many of these have you heard so far? Is that is that and uh, it's still rock and roll to me, the only ones you've recognized? No, uh, you said at least one other one. Okay, let me give you 41, and then I want to know the other one. Um, so we'll go back. Okay. Uh, yeah, Just the Way You Are is good. And then 41 is Half a Mile Away. Man, that's a good song, too. That's a upbeat song. So uh, I like that one. Yeah. Quick review. Run through the names. Yeah, 50, Los Angelinos. 49 was It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. I think I've Los Angelinos I've heard. Really? That would be surprising. I, I mean, if you have Leland, deep track. Love it. But um, on that, 49 was It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. Yeah. I feel you. Well, yeah, Dave Matthews band. I prefer the deep tracks as in they're six feet deep into the ground. Um, 48 was Falling of the Rain. 47 was Turn Around. 46 was A Matter of Trust. That one's a fairly popular one. 45 is... probably conflicted in my mind with uh, when you said it. I probably thought about a non-Billy Joel song. Yeah, that one is not Billy Joel. The one in old school? (laughs) Nocturne tomorrow is today. Uh, I've seen that song without seeing it like the guys from old school. I know. I can't. I can't, I can't either. I can't either. It's a problem when I'm at work. Uh, <laughs> old school was a movie that, like in college, we had on the TV every day. I mean, it was just a constant. But yeah, Angry Young Man is 43. Just the way you are, 42, and Half a Mile Away, 41. Uh, man, great, great song. Um, and. The story with Half a Mile Away here is, as well, my brother Brad and our friend Dave, uh, we would be playing, uh, or we would be talking on 4D Sports, and they came up with the idea for a spinoff sitcom because Kevin James and Billy Joel are best friends. And part of it is because they know I hate Kevin James, because I just don't think he's funny. But they came up with a Kevin James spinoff show, which was going to be on CBS because that's where all bad TV shows go to get high ratings um, where Kevin James was Billy Joel's mailman and also his neighbor 
and he lived half a mile away. So that was going to be the intro to the show. They had a whole backstory. I blacked out half of it because I like my friend and I love my brother and I don't, and I love Billy Joel and I don't want him to be associated with anything Kevin James related, even though apparently him and Kevin James are friends. No one's perfect. But anyway, that's 50 through 41. 40 through 31 will be next week. Oh, man. I've been listening to the Billy Joel playlist. Uh, and some of these have been revised. But yeah, I've been listening to the Billy Joel playlist. Great. Great stuff. Man, great memories. What a great artist. What's What do you know that I need to know? They had the Lance Armstrong doc on these last yeah. two weeks in the place where the Save the, uh, save the Last Dance. <laughs> the Last Dance was. And... <laughs> They were like surprised that it didn't rate as good as the Michael Jordan doc. It didn't even rate as good as the Michael Vick doc back in, what was that? January or February. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it didn't even get a million viewers. Apparently Michael Vick's two-parter beat it easily. Um, and even the replays of last dance on ABC this weekend on Saturdays was averaging twice as much viewers as what the nine o'clock, on ESPN, Lance Armstrong doc was getting. I don't know what ESPN was thinking that, like, if you put it there just because we have it, we want to still own this time period with something decent with this. But it acted like their PR people acted like they had to clean it up at. Like, no, Lance Armstrong is the most unlikable dude. Like, even at his peak, it wasn't like people liked that he was winning and America was winning, but then they forgot about it. And then he's a cheater and he's a liar. And even in his doc, the moments that I've seen of it, he is terrible. People wanted to say Michael Jordan is an a-hole. Watch Lance Armstrong. Yeah, I don't like Lance. I haven't watched this, to your point. Yeah, to your point, I haven't watched this. And the reason I I remember as a kid, or uh, I guess I wasn't quite a kid. No, I was a kid. Um, I wasn't a kid. But rooting for Lance Armstrong, because he was America, and he was you know a cancer survivor. He was raising money for cancer. He's winning all these Tour de France's, and he's such a hero. And then it comes out, oh, he actually did take steroids, and he attacked some people rather brutally who accused him of so. And yeah, uh, yeah, it makes it really hard to root for the guy. I still don't like him, and so I haven't watched these. And I got news for ESPN. Your Bruce Lee one's not going to get to me either. I was... even worse. Yeah. I don't even care. Like, look, do I appreciate what Bruce Lee can do? Sure. I appreciate what golfers do. I don't watch golf. I appreciate yeah. what a lot of tennis players can do. Don't watch tennis. So, I, yeah, Bruce, I have to think it's just they had it in the can ready to go. I think Lance Armstrong, they had higher hopes because they thought Lance Armstrong was some kind of American hero at some point. If People you're lucky, on outside of July, he is the Joey Chestnut of ESPN. Yeah, you, just... you only think about him in July. Yeah. You don't think about him for 11 other months. And you didn't then. And yeah, Nike cashed in on a con- campaign with a yellow bracelet, but it doesn't, it's, it ain't touching Michael Jordan. And then the other side of this, I'm comparing it to the Michael Vick. There's a lot of people that really loved Michael Vick for many years or 12 months a year before things got bad. And even after things got bad for him, people still stood by it. Some people did. You had, I, I don't know. And then you still had the comeback of Michael Vick that could still draw it back some positive that I think still think would draw people in. I think people that went away from Michael Vick might've watched that and well, where is he now? What is he doing? Cause it's, he, you know, he's on Fox sports as an analyst. People don't necessarily know that. The last yeah. thing you were left with, with Lance Armstrong is that he's a cheater you know Michael Vick 
came back and played some decent football and this and that. You you wanted to see where he had been. So I, I it made sense to me that the Michael Vick still outdrew him. It still wasn't spectacular. Already. Nothing's touching that Jordan Doc. That, that was an outlier forever. It was the perfect storm, and perfect is the terrible word to use, but everybody's at home. Everybody wants sports information that they haven't seen before, and here is this documentary that they have almost ready for June. They just move it up and give you some new videos, some new ideas, Michael Jordan interview, and it's just it's never going to get touched. Tom Brady next year ain't touching the last dance. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Can we talk about MLB Network playing 64 hours of Derek Jeter baseball or whatever it was? And oh, man, you hate Jeter. And you, I, don't NFL. Like, I, don't I don't love the Yankees, but you are too hard on Jeter. He's the all-time leading hitter for the best organization in Major League Baseball, and you act like he doesn't deserve to have ever made the Major League. I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying people are talking about how much of a great shortstop he was. He was highly overrated. He can be overrated. He is maybe like the he most play. overrated shortstop in the history of baseball. Defensively. He was a rookie of the year. He was involved in many championships, and he made huge plays. I hated every single moment of it and rooted against him. But, like, you don't even give him due justice. Uh, like why you, am I supposed you, to celebrate him catching a ball in fair territory and then not having the athletic ability to stop, and then he leaps into the stands? Every MLB player could do that. That's not hard. The problem is that's one of, like, 25 highlights that he has in the postseason that are very memorable plays for the organization that has won the most World Series. In it, Like, it matters where you do it. You can be a better shortstop at Toronto, but – yeah, it matters that he's, he was doing on the biggest days and the stinks. biggest games for the organization that is the most popular organization in sports. He Everybody stinks. in the world knows what the Yankees are. He's terrible. But anyway, you're, you cut me off before I got to my main point of that and now ESPN doing a 10-part Tom Brady documentary. You know why the MJ one's so great? He hasn't played for over a decade. Derek Jeter just retired. Tom Brady is still playing. What are you yeah, doing? Brady, I don't give it to Tom Brady. Give it some space. Hey, MLB, you like to talk about Babe Ruth so much. Why don't we trot, trot out a 10-part documentary? Oh, wait, half of it would be him in a bar or sucking down hot dogs in Manhattan? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, do a 10-part documentary on King Griffey Jr., why do you think, oh, Derek Jeter, he just retired. Oh, we got to get him in. Oh, my God, Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter sucks. Let's show some routine fielder, routine ground balls fielded by every shortstop in MLB. Oh, well, my God. Did you see him? Did you see him square up on that ball? Man, that was so athletic. That guy squared up on that ball. You know what Derek Jeter would have done? He would have had to full extension dive to get that one. What an athlete. In Yankee history, more what than Lou Gehrig, more than Mickey Mantle, more than Babe Ruth, more than how you know many what? Hall of Fame all-time greats do you want to name? I like Babe Ruth more than I like Derek Jeter. How he about that? More, he had more hits against today's top quality athletes that you always cite. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to argue about his offense. I, I'm not going to argue that he's not a good hitter. What I'm saying is we we chant. He won so many gold gloves because the gold glove is a popularity contest. It has nothing to do with who's the actual best fielder is. He is not I a good fielder. He is a below average fielder. 
That's my problem. He's a below average fielder, and I have to listen to all these stupid Yankee fans talk about how he's the greatest shortstop of all time. The dude is a below average fielder. He is garbage in the field, and I'm tired of pretending like he's some all-time great shortstop. He's an all-time great hitter. Fine. He's not an all-time great shortstop. He's not even the best shortstop on his team. Alex Rodriguez was a better defensive shortstop than he was. Oh, I don't want to get into A-Rod. I, I just, I, you are unfair on your, your Jeter. I don't hate, talk about his offensive numbers. Hit. I don't talk about those. I talk about when we're like, tr- he should have been unanimous. It should be unanimous that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame first ballot. That's what it should be unanimous. First time Hall of Famer. He is He's a overrated. He's a first ballot. If you're going to say he's the great, if you're saying some, this guy said he is the greatest shortstop that's ever played the game, then yes, he's overrated. And I'm, I'm really not bashing you saying he's overrated. I do think he is overrated, but it, it, the pinstripes inflate him and those championships inflate him. But otherwise, even if he was on Toronto, he still would have been a darn good shortstop and easily could have put together a hall of fame career. Maybe not a first ballot hall of fame career there, but he had more postseason games than other people had. <laughs> like, I mean, he played so many postseason games, and he was big in all of them. He he passed so many big moments. This is why Poppy is gonna get in a, is a Hall of Famer. He he's not one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He's gonna get in because of the drama and the big hits that he had. He's on that Mitchell report. I would be careful before I say he's a slam dunk. Um, but but he got shot in Dominican Republic, so everybody forgets that. Yeah, that may have been his fault. The, see? I know the official story is they didn't know who it was, but there's another story out there that he was fooling around with somebody he shouldn't have been fooling around with. Um, but going to the Dominican Republic. That's all I got away from that. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. But um, my point was, the next documentary that I'm excited to see is the 98 home run chase with McGuire and Sosa. You know why? Because it was in 1998. It wasn't in as far back as 2019. Those ratings will be very good. Not last dance, but it'll be better than Lance. I wouldn't be surprised if it's better than Vic. I wouldn't be. I, I think it has a lot going for it still. In pandemic, I think it's going to be higher than Vic. Yeah. Here for many weeks, it got good hype during the Jordan documentary. A lot of Chicago fans watching that documentary are going to be drawn right to the Sammy Sosa's involvement. I can't wait for that one. That's I am super excited about that one. Yeah. The more nineties, uh, documentaries that they want to do, the better. Even if it's about somebody, do I don't it. care. 10-part documentary on the Dallas Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson's team. Do that. Oh, you want front office drama? You want front office drama? Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones? Oh, they got you. I mean. I hate them, but I'd watch it. 10-part documentary on Tom Brady. I haven't even forgotten what happened with Tom Brady. Who cares? Why do I need that documentary right now? Derek Jeter, get over it. I'd rather watch Mariano Rivera. Brady, then I'm I'm just gonna be done with it. I, I'm not. I, I don't know if I'll sit and watch all those Tom Brady's. I don't think I don't think I I'm will. not gonna watch any of them. I've lived huh. it. I it's not long enough for me to go back and want to watch it. And they're not gonna I'm have really, enough. They're not gonna have enough historical reference. No, the story hasn't been told. It's not over, and you you could still have an ending to this story. I mean, this is. Uh, what was the one they did? It was like a Boston Red Sox documentary they had, and then they had to go ahead and, and then go finish it because they actually won the World Series. Like, you can't just let it sit a minute. 
I'd honestly rather them do a documentary on the 90 Yankees because at least it happened back then. And there might be information I'm not right in front of my face familiar with. Yeah, I agree. Tom Brady one is not going to get me excited at all. All right. We have anything else to talk about? No, I see what you want to talk about next week, though. We'll talk about that off air. We will. Let's get out of here. If you are listening, we love that. But you need to tell other people what we're talking about on here and that we generally talk local sports. And when local sports get back in action, and hopefully they will this fall, we will be all over it. And everybody can find us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com if you have questions or have confusion on how to hear us. That's how you find us. Subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify so you don't miss a minute. And uh, we hope you enjoyed most of this episode this week, if not all of it. And uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully some more sports news. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 